We have been going through a series uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes talking about this idea of something more, that we all long for something more in our lives. And you can think about that with all sorts of different areas of our life, but we have this longing, this desire for something more. We, We often hope, man, I hope this isn't all that there is. And so this is what we've been talking about. We've got this week and one more week after this. And then we start uh, a new series talking about what does it look like to spiritually grow? What does it look like to uh, the various ways that we struggle and the various ways that we um, experience suffering or habits that we, that we don't want, that we want to be free from? What does it look like to grow spiritually in those ways? And, and then after that, we start a, uh, that's a four-week series, and then we'll have another four-week series after that of what does it look like to not just spiritually grow ourselves, but help others the friends that we have in our life? What does it look like to help each other and walk with one another through the various things that we all deal with? And so that's kind of the the next thing after this. The final week for Ecclesiastes will be next week, and then we will move into uh, those uh, two series. I'm going to pray as we begin uh, looking at our next section today. Father, would you uh, just right now help us Um, As we come in with different uh, distractions in our minds and in our hearts and we come in with burdens and we come in with um, uh, hurts or we come in with confusion or tiredness or uh, whatever we might be coming in with today, guilt, um, whatever it is, God, I ask that today you would speak to us, uh, that your word would form our hearts and we would be able to see you and love you and and grow in new ways, Jesus, through this. And so would you take this uh, message, this sermon, and use it for our community. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, One of the things that most of us are drawn to in some ways, one one of the things that most of us have some sort of kind of... um, just draw to in our life is nostalgia in some way. That we like to think about things in our past and we like to think about when we were younger and some of you are, are, are that's only like a couple years ago, but you like to think about uh, when you were younger or things that kind of happened in the past and we like to think about our youth and we like to just think about the good old days. And, and that can be all sorts of different ways. I remember the, the old uh, Toys R Us song that, that would sing, you know, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid and, and that kind of thing that we, we all have this draw to a nostalgia or to thinking about our past and our youth and, and that gets reflected in all sorts of things. But I put together a little um, song clip montage just uh, for you of just some songs that maybe uh, will help you just uh, reflect on your youth, but also um, it just kind of communicates this idea, as you'll see through some of the different songs, some in the past and some more recent, that just really hit on this idea that we have this longing or this draw to thinking about our youth. So here's uh, this little montage for a couple minutes. I'm not going to sing them, but uh, it's going to, here you go. The first one is a, a, a mute song, and then the next one... <laughs> Take a nap and wake up and you're 25 Then your high school sweetheart becomes your wife Don't blink, you just might miss your babies growing like mine dear Turning into moms and dads Next thing you know, you better have a 50 years there in bed 
Praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friend. A hundred years goes faster than you think. was seeing some of you lip sync the words, but, uh, and I love that I was listening to Kenny Chesney, the Blink song, and he's like, you're six years old, and you take a nap, wake up, and you're 25, and I was like, that's a long nap, and some of you parents wish your kids napped that long, and you're like, that would be nice, um, but I, the reason I wanted to uh, show some music clips is because music always kind of tugs at our emotion, and music communicates emotion, so there's a reason that songs often have these ideas of when I was seven years old or when I was six years old or when this happened or we're young now and let's be young and remember when we were young and, and let's live while we're young so we don't blink and miss that we're young. And, and music communicates this emotion and it connects with us. And there's a reason that songs like that, pretty much every year multiple songs like that come out and they resonate with us in some way. And there's, there's a reason for that. There's a reason we have this longing for our youth or the, the good old days or, or the thoughts about being young. And, and part of it is because we are scared. We're scared of aging. We're scared of death. We're scared of what growing up and getting older and aging brings. And we might not think about the fear very often. It usually doesn't get communicated in the fear way. It gets communicated in the positive way, which the songs communicate of, oh man, when I was six years old, when I was seven years old, and, and embrace life now, and tonight we are young, or whatever. It gets embraced in that way instead of, man, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of aging. But we are. We're afraid of what aging brings and what death brings and and Solomon, in this next passage, says there's one thing that we can be certain of, and it's that we are going to get older. There's one thing that we can be certain of, and it's that we will not be young forever. And that we will blink and open up our eyes, and we will age. And here's what he says in this next section. He says this, Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. For some of you that love the sun, this can be your life verse. But he's talking about life. He's saying that life, being able to see the sun and enjoy, it's, it's pleasant. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. And that just means that it is quick, it's fleeting. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. 
Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. They're fleeting, they're quick. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And he then goes into this poem and he starts to describe the aging process as like a house that is breaking down. And a lot of people don't know exactly what the different metaphors he's going to use are specifically communicating. But overall, he's saying, here's what your life is going to look like. A house that's just beginning to break down. And so he goes through some of these things and says, in the day when the keepers of the house, some people think that is the arms or the shoulders, when they tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders, your teeth cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows, your eyes are are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, you maybe can't sleep as well anymore. And all the daughters of song are brought low. It's hard to speak. And they're afraid also of what is high. And tares are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. They say that that's the hair getting gray. And the grasshopper drags itself along. I love that image. Just of thinking as you get older, you're just like a grasshopper dragging yourself along. I love it, and it's scary, but it's, I've just never thought of it that way. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire, this most people say is talking about sexual desire. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. And then he kind of uses language um, around water or well. If you think about um, a bucket going into a well, because water often in the Bible represents life. And he says, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So here's what he says. He he goes through this and he says, look, aging, death, it's coming. And this is something we know and we're afraid of often. And so we, we have this longing. We have this um, draw towards nostalgia and towards our youth and towards embracing our youth. But he, he, doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to stop and just go, man, we're young. Let's enjoy being young and let's think about the days when we were young. And that he wants us to think about death. And not even just death, but he wants us to think about aging. He wants us to think about when our eyes won't be able to see as good anymore and our bodies drag along like a grasshopper and our hands and our arms are weak and they tremble and our hair starts to gray or fall out as it is for many men um, and females. Um, He wants us to think about that, about getting old, about aging and dying. Do you think about that often? Do you think about your aging process. I, I didn't really start to think about that until I turned 30 and then I felt like a grasshopper dragging along. And I started to think more about aging. I started to think more about dying and, and I felt like, man, it's coming soon. You know? And I know for those of you that are older than 30, you're like, 
yeah, it's not that soon, you know. But I just, I just started to feel like that. Once I hit 30, I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm getting close. He wants us to think about our death. He wants us to think about the aging process. And here's why. Because we only have one shot at living our life. Each of us only has one shot at living our life, and not even at living our life, but we only have one shot before we get to a place where it starts to get more difficult to do things. As he talks about death, but he's not just talking about death, he's talking about just life getting more difficult. It's harder to see, it's harder to move, it's harder to, it's harder to just do things that, that maybe you could do when you were younger. And we only have one shot at life, but we also only have one shot at today, and one shot at tomorrow. It's not just life in general. Sometimes I think we, we think too broadly about we have one shot at life, but we only have one shot at today and tomorrow and this week and this year. We, we only have one shot, and so he wants us to think about it. He wants us to be a little reflective and to think about what it looks like that it is a reality that our life will start to fall apart. That's a fact. And he wants us to think about it. He wants us to consider that because he knows we only have one shot to live the life that we have. And we know this. And so oftentimes we, we have ideas about bucket lists and things like that because we know, man, I've got one shot, so what do I want to do in my life? There's a, a website that has hundreds of thousands of, of People that have put down the things that are on their bucket list. And these were just some of the popular ones, and maybe some of these resonate with you or things like this. This is uh, 23,000 people had said they entered in, man, I want to learn a new language. And so for some of you, maybe on your bucket list is, man, I know I've only got one shot to live my life. I want to learn something. I want to learn something new, whether that's a language or something else, or see the northern lights, the aurora borealis. And 17,000 people said, man, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to see the northern lights. And for some of you, maybe it's seeing the northern lights or traveling somewhere. And before I die, I want to go here, see this, or, or to swim with dolphins. 26,000 people want to swim with dolphins or maybe swim with dolphins and this family here. Uh, and you want to swim with them. Um, or bungee jump. 16,000 people that are stupid said they want to bungee jump. Uh, I added that. That was my own commentary. But... Um, and maybe for you, that's something on your bucket list. Maybe not bungee jumping, but something exciting, something thrilling, skydiving, bungee jumping, doing something that's kind of this exhilarating feel of, man, I've got one shot, so I want to learn something new or see something new or do something new or die bungee jumping or get a tattoo, which this is not just a little tattoo. I love that this was the picture for this because it's like, I'd like to get a tattoo. And I don't mean like a ring tattoo. I mean a full back fallen angel wings tattoo. That's, that's what I want. Um, and some of you, maybe this is on the bucket list is, man, before I die, I want to get a tattoo, something that really means something to me, something that has some value to me. Or uh, 5280 Magazine has uh, a Colorado bucket list, the ultimate compilation of only in your state things you need to do before you take your last breath of thin air. I love how they uh, <laughs> articulate it. Um, and this is great. This is on the 5280 website, and it goes through all these different things in Colorado that if you said, you know, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to do the things that Colorado has to offer before I die. And this is the stuff on your bucket list. And so we, we know we've only got one shot. We know that. 
And a lot of times we don't always think about that, but we know that, which is why the idea of bucket lists or checking the different things off, it, it communicates something to us. It, it makes us feel something because we know we've only got one shot to live the life that we have. We know that the aging process is going to come, that death is going to come. And we know we got one shot at this life. You don't get to do it over again. So we want to make the most of it. But what does it look like to make the most of it? What does it look like to make the most of it? Does it look like the things on the bucket list? Does it look like a full back tattoo? Does it look like bungee jumping? What does it mean to make the most of it? We know we've got one shot to live our life, but what does it mean then to take advantage of that one shot? What does that look like? And this is what we'll look at based on what he has said to us. Here is the first question we want to talk about. What, how do we make the most of life before we die. We know we want to do that. We know that there's something in us that, that feels this urge to go, man, I've only got this little tiny slice of life, so I want to make the most of it. But how do we do that? How do we make the most of life before we die? Because we will age. Things will get more difficult. And we don't want to miss what life should be. We don't want to miss. So, so what do we do? And, he, and here's what he says. What he tells us is to enjoy life. That's what he says. He says, you've only got one shot, so rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. That's what he says. He says, look, here's how you make the most of your life before you die. You enjoy life. You enjoy it. You follow the desires you have. You do bungee jump. You do eat a good meal. You do travel. You do go see the northern lights. You, you do, he says, the desires of your heart. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. So here's what he says. Look, here's how you make the most of your life before you die. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Don't just be sad that you're going to age. Don't be sad that, don't, don't look and go, man, well, I'm going to die soon anyway, so what's it matter? Or I'm going to get old, so what's it matter? Um, he says, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to get older, but right now while you're young and you can, enjoy the life that you have. I was a camp counselor in uh, high school for middle schoolers, which is, does not seem like a good idea to me. It's like, I'm so mature, I'm two years older than you. Um, and uh, one of the things is the week ended, they would say to us camp counselors, like, don't, don't, uh, don't be sad because it's over. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And I always say that to my wife at like the most annoying times just to bother her. It's like, it's like oh, the, the weekend's over. Like, don't smile, you know, or don't be sad because it's over. Smile because it happened. Uh, and it's really a good husband move for me to make. But, but that's kind of what he's saying here. He's saying, look, yeah, you are going to get older. You are going to die. You are going to age. But while you're young, enjoy it. And do the things that are on your heart. And do the things that you desire. And, and, and look at the beautiful world around you and engage in it. He says that's, that's how you make the most of the life that you have before you die. You, you look and you enjoy and you do the desires that are in your heart. You don't get sad because it's going to end. You smile because it's happening or because it happened. But, 
But he says this, how do we make the most of life before we die? He says, look, there's a key, though, to all this. He says, yes, I want you to follow your desires, and yes, I want you to look around and enjoy life. The, the only way to make the most of life is to enjoy it. If you go through life just troubled and vexed and down, and then you're not going to be able to make the most of it. So the only way to make the most of it is to enjoy it. But, he says, here's the key. How do you most fully, most truly enjoy the life that you have? If the way to make the most of life before you die is to say, okay, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to soak it up while I have it. How do you most fully actually do that? And he says, here's the key. Here's the key to being able to enjoy life. You have to remember your creator. That's what he says. Remember your creator. If you want to make the most of life before you die, if any of us want to say, okay, I've got one shot and I'm going to make the most of it, then enjoy it. That's the only way. But in order to most fully enjoy it, the only way to do that is to remember your Creator. And so he says, remember your Creator. And then he goes into this whole poem about aging and dying. And and he says, before all of this happens, if you want to enjoy life, remember your creator. But what does that mean? What does it mean to remember our creator? Does it mean to just go, oh, God, he's there, and then move on with life? What does it mean to remember our creator? How is that the key? How is that the the secret? How is that what helps us to actually make the most of life? Because he says this is the key. Not just remember God, not just remember that He's there, but remember your Creator. A very specific way to to think about God. What does it mean to remember our Creator? What does that mean? See, we forget a lot of things. Some of you are probably very forgetful people. You always forget your keys, or you forget that you have your glasses on top of your head, or you forget where you put something, or you forget you had an appointment and you then get a a call from somebody saying, hey, where are you? And you're like, oh, I'm on my way. Um, And you're lying. Um, you you you, You forget things, right? Whether that's you lose something, or you forget you had some commitment somewhere, or you forget memories that happened, and someone reminds you, and you're like, oh, I totally forgot about that. That we forget stuff all the time, right? We forget little things. We forget important things. You may forget to call someone on their birthday, and then you got drama. You, you forget, you, we forget things. And the Bible actually says that us forgetting is a big problem in our spiritual lives. That we forget about God all the time. We forget that He has loved us. We forget what He has done for us. We, we forget the way He's provided for us. We forget the, the salvation he's given to us we forget uh, the bible says things like you've forgotten your first love Uh, that at one time you you were thinking about god and what he's done and then you've forgotten him that god shows up and does stuff in your life and he helps you out and you're like man god me and you this is awesome and then life goes on and you forget about him And that can be from adversity, that that life is really tough and life is really hard and there's all sorts of things kind of going bad and so you forget about God because the problems and the suffering in your life become front and center. And I know we've experienced this, that that at one point we're like, man, God, you're so good to me and God, man, I'm praying and then life gets tough and we forget about him. Where are you, God? And we don't even think about him and 
Is he even here? And we just kind of forget. Or it can be because of prosperity, not just adversity. It can be, man, stuff is going really well in our lives. Everything is coming together. You've got a girlfriend now. You've got a boyfriend now. You've got, you've got a husband now. You've got a wife now. You've got a job now. You've got a house now. You've got kids now. You've got, you finally have got enough income. And you don't have to you scrape by every, every dollar. And you, you finally got it together. And you forget about God because of prosperity in your life. That stuff is actually going really well and you're not anymore having to go, God, I need you. God, please be here for me. Stuff is going great. And so we forget about God. And see, the Bible says that forgetting God is actually a huge problem. And here's what happens when we forget, whether that's God or it's, or it's just silly things in our life. When, when we forget, we are actually missing out on what reality is. You see, if you forget to call someone for their birthday, it doesn't mean that it's not actually their birthday. You're missing out on how reality actually is. If you forget an appointment that you have and you're supposed to show up and you have a meeting that you're supposed to be at and you forget about it, it doesn't mean that that appointment went away. It means that you are missing out on reality as it actually is. You see, the Bible says that to forget is actually one of our biggest spiritual problems at every turn that we have to be aware of. So what does it mean to remember our Creator in that kind of context? What it means to remember something is to see reality for how it is. What it means to remember God is is not just to have this rational thought that, okay, He is there, but to remember is to say, this is at the center of my reality. To remember is to say, this shapes my life. If you remember that you have an appointment, it shapes your life and that you go to it. If you remember that you're supposed to call somebody, it shapes your life and that you call them. And if you remember your creator, it shapes your life and that you are saying, I have a creator. It's not just some rational fact that's there. When when he says, here's the key, here's what you need to know. You need to remember your creator. To remember means to have it the center. It means to let it shape your life. Um, a lot of times when there's some sort of tragedy that takes place, afterwards people will say things like, never forget or remember. I know that during 9-11 there's a lot of uh, things that you'll see, different um, communications, whether that's on Facebook or the news, and they'll say things like 9-11, never forgotten. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean just, hey, we don't want anyone to lose this memory and just and make sure you know it for trivia. It means let this shape reality for you. To say, hey, don't forget that this happened means let it shape reality for you now. Whatever that might be, however that might shape it. But that's how that's used. It's not just saying, hey, remember, let's not forget this fact that exists. It's saying, let remember this, let it come into your life now so that it shapes how you view things, how you operate, how you, how you feel, how you think. Let this thing remember it so it shapes you here. Uh, when I was in high school, I met um, a woman, her name is Nessie, and she was a Holocaust survivor. She was in the concentration camps, and I met her in a program that I was doing and got to know her, and she she had been through the Holocaust um, concentration camps and told, and she was a young girl at the time, and she, she, several people obviously didn't make it out of there, but she remembered talking to people and telling them where she knew she was going to be able to be free. I will remember you, and I will, I will talk about you, and so that your memory is not forgotten. 
And she actually goes around and speaks at all sorts of different places. And I had her come out to my high school and, and speak there. And we did some events in uh, Portland where I used to live. And she would talk about this idea of remembering. It's a very important idea in all sorts of uh, Holocaust uh, literature of the survivors that they talk about, the idea of remembering. And she would wear this pin, and she gave me one of these pins that was the Hebrew word for remember. And it's simply this idea of not just, hey, let this be a fact that is in your head so that it's in the history books, but it's an idea that says this. There's something significant. Something significant exists that should shape your life now. So she didn't go around speaking about the Holocaust just to say, hey, remember it happened? Okay, there you go. Everybody knows. But to say, hey, hate shouldn't exist, and the way we treat our fellow humans shouldn't exist, and let's remember what we're capable of, and let's remember of, of what humanity can do to one another, and let's remember. So to remember something is to say, let it shape your view of reality here. To remember something is to say, let it shape who you are, how you think, how you feel. Let it shape your way of life. So Solomon says that we are to remember our Creator. That if you want to make the most of the life that you have, if you want to enjoy the life that you have, if you want the one shot at life you have before death, before aging, if you want to make the most of it, he says we have to remember our Creator. Which isn't to just go, yes, He's there, but to let the fact that He's there and who He is as Creator shape reality here. To shape everything, the way you think and feel and what you do. I mean, think about this for your life. Do you remember your Creator when it comes to plans that you're making? As you look at your life and you go, man, what am I planning to do with my life? Is there a conscious, I'm remembering I have a Creator? When you think about your goals in life and the things that you hope to accomplish, do you say, I'm remembering my Creator? When you think about how you spend your time, do you say, I am remembering my Creator? When you think about how you spend your money, do you say, I'm remembering my Creator? When you think about just the desires, because he says, man, do the desires you have and, and what your eyes look at and you want to do, go for it, but remember your Creator. Are your desires and what you want shaped by, I remember my Creator. See, if you were to have Nessie follow you around and, and she were to say, hey, remember the Holocaust. And how would that, if she were just to follow you around and keep reminding you of that, what would that shape in your life? If you were to have um, a fireman or somebody that had been there in 9-11 follow you around and say, hey, remember 9-11. And in your life, they were to keep reminding you of that. What, what would change and how would it shape? I, I don't know what would change with Nessie or with a fireman or what that would do, but but Solomon is trying to get us to think in the same way. To say, look, I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to make the most of your life. I, I want it to be a life that, that is the most that it could be. And here's how. Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. He says this is how we, we make the most of our life. To remember what it means to remember our Creator. Is to have it to have who He is as Creator shape all aspects of our life. All the ways we think about life and feel about life and what we do in life. That's what it means to remember our Creator. So how does remembering our Creator actually help us make the most of life? 
To remember our Creator means that we think consciously of Him and, and let that shape our view of reality. But how does remembering our Creator help us then to make the most of life? And he gives a handful of ways that he talks about in here. How is this the key? How is remembering our Creator the key to maximizing the one shot in life we have before we age, before we die? How, how is this the key? How is remembering our Creator the key? And, and there's a few different ways that he talks about. If you think about Creator, that can mean different things. If you think about the fact that God is a Creator, and there's a lot of different images we could use for God. We could say that God is a father, or we could say that God is a rock, or that God is savior, or that God is king. And there's a lot of images, but, but what does it mean that God is creator? And to remember that about him, how would that help us make the most of life? And there's three things that, that are here. One of them is this. To be a creator inherently means that God is a giver. Somebody that creates is one that has given and he says this, he says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity or fleeting. See, one of the ways that remembering God as creator or as a creator that is a giver is it helps us remove vexation from our heart. And that's a word probably most of you don't use, although it's a great word. It feels so good on your tongue. Um, and he, he says uh, that remembering God as creator-giver helps us to remove vexation. Because isn't life difficult sometimes? Isn't life hard sometimes? And can't we look at life and go, man, this is rough, and be vexed in some ways? And he says, man, if you're vexed, if you're living your life with a, an anxious and a weighed down and a stressed and a burdened heart, you won't be able to enjoy life. If you're living life with this heart that's full of worries and, man, there's this thing happening and I'm worried about this and I'm struggling with this and this is on my mind and this is weighing me. If you're living, you won't be able to enjoy life that you have. But the way to overcome that is to remember your Creator. To know that God is one that has created, which means God has given if you, in the middle of your vexation, your weighed downness, your anxiety, your, your overwhelmness, your stress, if you remember, okay, I know God's a creator, which means that He has provided for me. He's given to me. He's for me. He's good to me. The good things that I have, whether that is um, skydiving or bungee jumping or friends or food or mountains or hiking or what if, if these good things God has given these things to me he's created these things for me to enjoy it helps you to remember in the middle of your stress and worry and vexed heart God's for me he's good to me he's a giver to me he cares about me See, anybody can enjoy life. Anybody can enjoy life. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy life. Anybody can enjoy the various things that are in this life. Anybody can do that. But if you know that those things aren't just things, but they're gifts that somebody created to give to you, that increases our joy. See, you can buy something and, and enjoy it, but usually what's going to give you more joy if, if somebody gifts you a new car, or if you go buy a new car? 
probably if someone gifts you a new car, because something about gratitude and thankfulness increases the joy in what we have. We have a whole holiday set apart for this called Thanksgiving, where we say, man, I am thankful for the things in my life. And I'm not just thankful to the universe in some abstract way, but to somebody that has actually given these things to me. See, if you're vexed and you're stressed and you're worried and life weighs on you, one of the ways that knowing our Creator helps us to make the most of life and enjoy life is our joy increases in going, there's a giver that's given these good things to me. They're not just there and I'm enjoying them, but they're actually gifts which helps me know God's for me. God loves me. God is with me. God cares for me because He is the Creator that's made this and given it to me. Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Maybe you've forgotten that God is Creator. Remember that. Or second, one of the ways that remembering God as Creator helps us to make the most of life, if we look at a different aspect of Creator, to say that God is Creator also means that God is the authority or the judge on something. See, somebody makes something, they're the authority on it. They're the judge on it because they understand it. They know what its intention is. They know what its design is. They know how it works, which is why Solomon says this. He says to rejoice and to let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth and to walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So he says, look, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to follow your heart. I want you to pursue your desires. But... Not carte blanche. Not just do whatever you want. He says, but you need to know this. God will bring you into judgment. See, if we know that God is creator, if we know that God is the creator, here's what that means. It means that God understands the way the world works. It means God understands the way that he designed the world to work and all the different kinds of things in the world. And if we remember that He's Creator, and we thus follow His design for things, you know what that does? That'll protect us from a lot of foolishness. Haven't you made a lot of stupid decisions and a lot of stupid mistakes in your life that you go, I can't believe I did that? That if you had said, God, I know you're the Creator, and so I know that you're the one that is the authority on this, and I'm going to do it your way, wouldn't you have been protected from a lot of things? A lot of hurts? a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of, a lot of destruction that happens in our life. That's what he says. He says, look, I want you to be able to enjoy life. I want you to be able to follow the things that you see that fill your eyes and your heart. But you need to remember that God's the creator, so God's the authority on things. And he's not saying that because he's kind of tisk tisk. He's saying it because he says, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to be able to enjoy it. And, and part of how you can enjoy it is if you know there's a creator who's the authority and understands how it works, which will keep us from a lot of unhappiness and a lot of foolishness and a lot of things that would cause destruction. Do you think about what God says about life? Do you think about what God says about the choices that you make? Do you think about God as the authority for things? 
he says, maybe you've forgotten he's the creator. Remember. Remember that he's the creator. And finally, another aspect of God being creator is that there's a purpose. If somebody creates something, there's a purpose for it. If God makes you or God makes the world, there's a purpose for it. Nobody makes something without a purpose. And to think about God as creator means to think about a purpose then in your life. How does remembering our creator help us make the most of life and really enjoy it? Part of it is this, you'll just increase your joy by knowing there's a good giver so you won't be vexed. And part of it is you'll be kept from a lot of foolishness and a lot of destruction in your life because you'll say God's the creator, so he's the authority. And part of it is that you'll say God's the creator, so he has a purpose for my life. And that will help you make the most of your life because you'll actually be living with a purpose in your life. Life might be short, as he says. It might be fleeting, as he says. But it doesn't mean it's an accident. Your life is not an accident. And if you think about God as creator, it means there's a reason that God decided for you to be born. It means there's a reason that God said, I want to create you. He says, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Remember someone created you. Remember that somebody designed you. Remember that there's a purpose for your life, that you aren't accidentally here. That would help us make the most of life when you make your plans. It would help you make the most of life when you're thinking about what to do in your life. And it would help to, are you bored? Maybe you're just bored in life. Part of that's because you don't remember your Creator. Maybe you're just kind of going through life apathetic and just, okay, yeah, do this and do that. But is there passion in you? Is there excitement in you for life? Are there things about your life that you say, I know that this is for me. I know this is what God has. If not, if the most exciting thing in your life is Netflix, you have forgotten your creator. You don't remember your creator. You think you're here on accident, so you're just going through life. He says, remember your creator. Because that would give a purpose. I'm not here by accident. There's actually a purpose God has for me. See, when we come to the New Testament and we look at what the Bible says more about this idea, it's not just that God created the world. It's not just that God is the creator of the world. The Bible says for those that are Christians that we, that Christians, are a new creation. See, he's talking here about, think about God as the creator of the world, but when you come to the New Testament, this idea gets filled out even more, and, and it says about Jesus that each of us that are in Jesus are a new creation. Here's how uh, Paul says this. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. I mean, my whole life is controlled by the love of Christ because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that Jesus died for sinners, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, it takes this idea of remember your creator and even fills it out more. 
Because it says if you think about even those ideas of creator that we talked about, but then you understand God's not just the creator of the world, but for those that have become Christians, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. He's created you in a special and a new way. What that means is God is a giver, as we talked about before, but not just in He's given you all the good, beautiful things in this world to enjoy, but He's given you Himself. If you're a new creation in Christ, He's given you life with Him. It takes the idea of giver and fills it out. It takes the idea of authority and fills it out because it says those who live don't lo- no longer live for themselves but for Him because it says, look, it's not just that God made the world and created you. God made you as a new creation. So He's the authority of your life. And it takes the idea of purpose and fills it out because it says, look, there's a reason that Jesus has created you, that He's made you His. And it's a controlling purpose then that you have in your life. It takes all of that and says this. It, it doesn't just give us new meaning what it means to remember our Creator. It also shows us the cost that it took for Him to create us. This whole passage says, look at what Jesus did to make you a new creation. Look what He did to make you a new... It always costs something to create something. If any of you are into building stuff or an artist or any sort of person that creates something, it always costs something to build something, to create something. And it says, look what cost Jesus to create you, to make you a new creation. One has died for all, that he would go to the cross, that he would be willing to die for us that didn't deserve it, to give us life, to create us, to make us new. Remember your Creator. See, the Bible keeps going with that idea of remember your Creator. See, we've got one shot at life. You've got one shot at today. You've got one shot at tomorrow. You've got one shot at life, and then eventually you die. But even before you die, you age, and stuff slows down, and stuff gets more difficult. And Some people say, when I'm older, I'll think about this. When I'm older... I'll work on this. When I'm older, I'll get more serious about this. And he says, do it now before it's too late. Do it now while you're still making a foundation. See, when you're young is when you're making all sorts of choices. Where you're going to live and what you're going to do and who you're going to be with and how you're going to shape your world and and what kind of habits you're going to have. When you're young, you're making all these choices. And I know not all of you are young, but he's specifically speaking to those that are younger, that are still making life choices that will determine their future. And he says, while you're there, lay the foundation. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. Let that form everything. That's how you make the most of life before it's too late. What would happen in your life if remembering your creator as giver, as authority, as the one that gives purpose, as in Christ, a new creation. What would happen if you remembered him and you believed what he says, that that's the key to making the most of life? Where have you forgotten him? Where have you forgotten that he's your creator? Where do you need to remember that? such that you would be able to make the most of life and come to your death and come to your aging process and not say, dang it, but be able to say, 
Yes. See, when we take communion, one of the things that we remember, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. To keep the idea fresh. I love that Jesus articulated it that way. Do this in remembrance of me. You know what that means? He says, I died for you. My body was broken. My blood was shed for you to forgive you, to bring you into my family, to make you a new creation. And I want you to always, regularly, over and over again, have this fresh to remember that I'm your creator. To remember that because of me and because of what I've done, you're a new creation. I want you to remember what I've done. To have it so visibly and tangibly present to you. This do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. And so we come to take communion remembering our creator. That is both the creator of the world and the universe. But if you're a Christian... He's your creator and that you're a new creation in him. Let's pray. Father, would you help us, even as we take communion and sing, to remember you as creator. Help us to remember you as the creator. You you wanted this to be fresh in our eyes and fresh in our mind and fresh in our life. That we never lose the remembrance of who you are and what you've done. And so God, I pray just uh, today as we think about life and we think about making the most of life and we think about what does it look like to to enjoy life and to, to take the one shot we have and really use it. As we think about that, God, I pray even now, help us to remember you. And in the ways in which we've forgotten you, in the ways in which that we have not brought you into the shaping reality of our life, God, even now, help us to remember Awaken our hearts and our minds. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.